for just a few moments today. Our young people are going to stay here with us this morning. There will not be a youth class, but if you have your Bibles and would turn with me to the book of 1 Kings chapter 20. 1 Kings chapter 20, and I'm going to read two very familiar portions of Scripture. And I feel, I kind of feel like the preacher that died and went to heaven and he was waiting in line at the pearly gate for his opportunity to enter. And there was a man in front of him that was somewhat sloppily dressed. He had sunglasses on and a real loud shirt and blue jeans. And and he waited and finally that guy walked up and Peter said, what's your name? He said, my name is Jack Thomas, and I'm a, I'm a taxi driver from New York City. And so Peter looked at the list, and he said, okay. He turns, and he gets a silk robe and a golden staff and beautiful slippers, and he gives them to this man. He said, enter in. The preacher's watching all this, and he thinks, wow, that's pretty good. It'll be nice for me. So he steps up in line and he pronounces who he is and where he had ministered for so many years. And Peter looked at the list and then he turned and gave him a cotton robe and a wooden staff and he said, enter into the kingdom. And the preacher said, wait just a moment. He said, what? There's, there's something wrong with this picture. You just gave that sloppily dressed man in front of me a silk robe and a golden staff and here I am I've served you faithfully all of these years, and all I get is a cotton robe and a wooden staff. Peter looked at him and said, well, up here we work on results. And when that man was down there, he was a tax driver, and when he drove, people prayed. And when you preached, people slept. <clears throat> so I hope that doesn't happen today. I hope you don't go to sleep on Amen. We've had a few acoustic changes for the betterment here, but it's taken a little time for us to get used to it. But God's going to help us. The Word of God is going to inspire us today. I'm just going to talk to you out of my heart. I don't have um, some great theological sermon to deliver to you, but just my heart. Our First Kings chapter 20 and verse number 39. And as the king passed by, he cried unto the king. And he said, Thy servant went out into the midst of the battle. And behold, a man turned aside and brought a man unto me and said, Keep this man. If by any means he is missing, then shall thy life be for his life, or else thou shalt pay a talent of silver. Verse 40 said, And as thy servant was busy, here and there he was gone. And the king of Israel said unto him, So shall thy kingdom be. Thyself hath decided it. You have decided how the story is going to end. And by using a simple parable... The prophet brought home a very powerful message. For just a few moments today, I want to speak to you from a subject that may seem a little bit negative, but it really isn't. <clears throat> the confessions of a failure. Everybody said amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated. 
failures in life are prototype. There's a certain stereotype that we put on people that we consider to be failures. We, we put them in that category because they lack something and because they are deficient perhaps in talents or gifts or whatever. And so we consider them a failure because they did not merit or they did not match up to the expectations of life. But in our text, there is the recording of a man who failed miserably. And yet, if you looked at him in the totality of his life, you would find out that he was not your typical failure. He was not lacking. He was not deficient. He was not a slothful man. There were many things about him that were no doubt admirable. And yet he failed. He failed miserably in his responsibility and in his duty. The story is a parable that was spoken to Ahab so that God could get a message through to him and rebuke him for his leniency in dealing with the enemy of God's people and how that he had failed to do his duty as the leader of God's people. And here is the story that unfolds. A man is captured in battle. He is captured in the midst of great conflict. And turning to a soldier in the field or someone who had the responsibility of the, 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 uh, of the uh, suit that he wore, the armor that he bore, he is given charge to keep this man and to watch him diligently. Do not let him escape. And if he does escape, then it will be your life for his life. And you know the story very well. I, I am not bringing something to you you are not aware of. But the Bible says that while he was busy here and there, the prisoner escaped. And so we have the story of a man's failure from his own lips. Someone else is not telling the story. He is telling it himself. He is confessing his shortcomings. He is admitting his deficiency. And he has been given a clear responsibility. And he had been given clear instructions that, I have no doubt that he fully understood what was asked of him. And I believe that he understood the seriousness of all that was laid upon him. I believe he understood what had been given to him and the responsibility that came with it. Diligence was needed. Care was needed. But soon you find him no longer watching the soul are watching the prisoner. He is not watching the one he has been put in charge of. And not long from then, the prisoner escapes and is gone from their midst. And now one passes the stockade 
And in the place of that prisoner is this soldier that was given charge. And when you look at him, you say, how did this happen? How could this have taken place? Were you surprised by the prisoner? Were you overwhelmed by him? Were you taken off guard? Were there others that came to his aid? Or were there others who came to assist him? And the answer to all of those questions would have been a resounding no. He was not overcome. He was not surprised. He was not caught off guard. He was not outnumbered. He simply let his duty and his responsibility slip through his hand not outnumbered, not outfoxed, not overpowered, but simply he was too busy to do what he had been called to do. And the prisoner escaped because I was busy. Everybody say that word with me. Come on, say it with me. I know it chokes you to say it, but say it. Some of you confess it all the time out there, but you're afraid to say it in here, but I'm busy. I'm busy. I'm busy. I'm busy. Busy. Busyness is the watchword of the day in which we live. I caught myself this weekend. I probably am I'm preaching to myself this morning. So you just have to put up with me preaching to myself. But I caught myself this very week, days slipping by, and I have not been able to do the things. Let me rephrase that. I have not done the things that I should have done because I was just too busy, too busy, too busy, too busy. And I, I'm not a lazy person, and I know that you're not a lazy person either, and so we're not going to cast off on our busyness because we're lazy. We're busy. Everybody say, I'm busy. That's the plague of our hour. We are so busy. And life is filled with so many things, so many competing interests, so many voices that are calling out. When you get up in the morning, it seems like there's a hundred phone calls waiting on you. And there's this pressure and that pressure and this need and that need. And here's a problem. There's a problem. And, and, and it's not hard before long that when you get halfway into the morning, you've already lost your focus. You've, you, you're, you're putting out fires and you're not doing your responsibility. You're not taking care of the thing that you need to take care of. Am I talking to anybody here this morning? To, that we are busy doing what? What task did this soldier have that was really more important than watching the prisoner? Saving his own country. Perhaps even saving his own life and his own family. There was no task in particular that took him. He was just busy here and there. And he was punished for what he had failed to do. What was wrong with the fig tree that Jesus rebuked and condemned in the New Testament? Was it because it had not borne branches? Was it because it had not given forth leaves? No, none of the charges could be leveled against the fig tree. The only 
thing that could be said about the fig tree was that there was no fruit for the master to partake of. And with the leaves being there, the leaves were indicative that fruit should have been there as well. But something had happened in the process of growing and the busyness of the tree in reaching down to get the nutrients had put all of its energy into leaves but no fruit. And the Lord is not interested in how many leaves I have. He's interested in how much fruit I bear. Amen. Come on, clap your hands to the Lord. It's all right. Amen. Praise God. He is not interested in what I look like. He's interested in what I am doing with my life. What was wrong with Dives? Do you know that when I read the story of Dives, I do not find really anything to condemn him of? I don't read of any outlandish thing that he did. The Bible said he just fared sumptuously every day. Who wouldn't want to live like that? I mean, who likes to live from hand to mouth? Who likes to sit on the street corner with a sign saying, I will work for food? He fared sumptuously. That's all that we could say about him. And yet when he died, the Bible says that he went to hell. And in hell he lifted up his eyes being in a torment and he saw the other world. And he saw that poor, miserable, sore-filled Lazarus in the bosom of Abraham. And he begged for him to go get a drop of water and drop it on my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. And the only thing that we can level against him was that he simply ignored the need of a man by his gate. He ignored a need at his own gate. What was wrong with the five foolish virgins? Did they not look the part? Were they not called virgins? Were they not part of the whole group? But five of them were labeled foolish, not because they didn't look like virgins, and not because they didn't talk like virgins, and not because they didn't act like virgins. They were called foolish because they took no oil in preparation for what was to come. They did not prepare themselves for what was before them. So my question this morning is why did this man fail? Did he fail out of ignorance? I dare say it was not ignorance that caused this man to fail. He did not fail because he did not know what to do. He didn't fail because he didn't understand what his responsibilities were. He didn't fail because he didn't know the importance of the job. He didn't fail because he didn't know what he was supposed to do. He failed because he did not do what he knew to do. Amen. He failed because he didn't do what he knew to do. We need to know more, I'm sure, of that. I, I am certain of that for myself. But I have discovered this, that more knowledge is not going to make me a better man. What will make me a better man and a better father and a better husband is to start doing what I already know. Amen. 
I'm not going to be condemned because of many of the things that I think might cause condemnation. But my greatest need is the will to live up to what I already know to do. Because I already know enough to save me. I already know enough. The reason people fail, the reason that people are selfish, the reason that people live unclean lives, the reason that people have hardened hearts is not because they don't know better, but it's because they don't do what they ought to do with what they do know. It's because we are unwilling to do better. This man did not fail because he didn't know his duty. You may not know the exact place that God wants you to fill right now, and you may not know the exact role that God is calling you to live, but you and I know enough today to do what we're supposed to do, and that's serve Him with gladness and come before His presence with singing and serve Him with our life every day that we live. You see, there is an absolute difference between right and wrong, and I don't have to have more knowledge to know what to do in the right column and know what to avoid in the wrong column. That you are a help and not a hindrance is not going to involve more knowledge. That you would be a blessing and not a curse doesn't need greater revelation. It simply needs me rising up and doing what I already know. Amen. He did not fail because he lacked ability either. That's amazing. Because in our, our, our way of looking at failure, it's usually because somebody doesn't have whatever it takes to do it. But he didn't fail because he didn't have ability. He was a soldier. He had been called. He had been chosen. And he had been picked, hand-picked to fill this job and this responsibility. And so... I am certain that there was ability there. He could not say that he failed because he needed help. He could not fail because he could not help himself because he did not have the ability. God doesn't give me tasks to do in life that I am unable to do and he won't even let you have kids without giving you the ability to raise them. So it's not ability that produced a failure. It was not a lack of ability. It was not a lack of knowledge. And it certainly was not because he was idle. I don't believe that was why he failed. It was not because he was lazy and just didn't care. I know there's a lot of failures in life that are just failures because they, they are lazy and they don't care. I'm not talking to lazy people. I'm talking to good people here today that feel like you're failing in life because <clears throat> you, you know you ought to be here, but you're there. You, ought, you know you, you ought to have a better attitude, but you keep wrestling with this attitude. You know that you ought to be living higher and uh, in, 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 a, in a higher place in God, but somehow you're still struggling in this lower level. And I'm saying, Lord, why have I failed? Why have I come short? Is it because I don't have the ability? Is it because I can't be any better than I am? Is it because I'll never be a better saint than I am right now? Is it because I'm lazy or is it because I don't know? And the answer comes back, no, no, no. The reason we fail is not because of any of those 
If we fail, it is because we are just too busy. Amen. Too busy. He was not busy at the right things. He was busy, but not at the right things. I I thought about myself this week. Lord, I, I, I am responsible for preaching here in this pulpit three or four times a week, and, and that doesn't come easy. That takes a lot of prayer and a lot of preparation, and I don't ever want to take that lightly. I don't ever want to walk to this pulpit without having a word from God, but I find more and more that every day that I get up, there's a hundred other things that rush in before my time with God, my prayer time, my time in the Word of God. And before the day is over, I've gotten all of these other things done, but I've not done the thing that I needed to do. And I, I, I come up at the end of the day frustrated because I have not done what I know to do. What I am preaching here this morning is the confession of a failure. That he failed not because he lacked ability or because he was idle or lazy or because he didn't know what he needed to do. He failed because he was just too busy at the wrong things. Amen. He failed because he let some things slip out of his life that he needed to take hold of and hang on to. Too busy. That's the, the watchword of the hour. Is there anything really more important than me obeying the orders that God has given me? Is there anything more important than you doing the will of God? Do you know of anything more important than saving your family? Is there anything more important than saving your own life? Is there anything more important than keeping yourself in the right relationship with God? He wasn't a bad man. That's, that's what's so amazing about this story. He, he wasn't some evil, wicked, vile person. He, he was not some man that you would have put down at the bottom of the list and marked off as, as a loser. He had all the qualifications. He had all of the abilities and the talent. He was not lazy. He was not slothful. He was not a, 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 an uncaring person. He was just a man who was too busy for his own good. He failed, and he failed miserably because he let the important, listen to me, he let the important things of life push out the essential things of life. Did you hear what I said? He let important things push out essential things. You see, there are some things that I have to take care of. There are some things that whatever else I do, I've got to do them if I'm going to live. I've got to eat. As much as you might think you can go forever without eating, none of us can go forever without eating. You can't go forever without drinking water. You can't go forever without sleep. I don't know what the length of time is, but they tell me that the Navy SEAL training pushes men to the limit. And at the end of about six or seven days of nonstop, no sleep, no more than an hour at a time, 
that these men are pushed to the very brink of mental breakdown. And they push them there because they know that in war they're going to be pushed to those extremes. And many of them fail at that point because there's a limit to how much you can go without sleep. And there's a limit to how far you can go without those essential things. There were other things that were important. There were other things that were vital. But there were some essential things that had to be done. And what I am fearful of in the day in which we live is that we are busy and our busyness makes us think we're blessed. And our busyness makes us think we're spiritual. And our busyness makes us think that we must be doing something for God. And we're busy, but we're busy at the wrong things. We're busy at important things, but not essential things. How often the good in life crowds out the best that God has for us. How often in life do I let the good crowd out the very best? I let secondary things absorb me until I neglect the primary. The unnamed task of every day that can, co- that can so consume you. There's no hint that there was any evil thing that this man was doing. I don't think he went out partying and drinking. and I don't think he went out with the guys and left the, the, the prisoner just to himself. I think he was legitimately busy doing things that he thought were important, but they were not essential. The essential thing was keep this prisoner. Whatever else you do, keep this prisoner. Don't let the secondary override the primary. There's no doubt that what he was doing was good things, but the good had robbed him of the best. The danger in the world in which we live is that we are often satisfied with the second best and not the very best. It'll keep you active, it'll keep you busy, but it will not bring you to the place where you want to be. It will not make you better. It's like sewing with no knot in the end of the thread. I'm not an expert by any means in sewing, but one thing my wife taught me a long time ago, the first thing you do if you're going to sew is tie a knot. Are y'all still with me? Y'all haven't gone off to la-la land yet? Hey Amen. We're going to take these sound boards off of here. This is what it does to you. Hey Amen. Tie not. Because you can spend hour after hour after hour after hour after hour. You can be so careful. You can be so meticulous. You can make the perfect stitch. You can make the perfect turn. You can have them evenly spaced and all of that. But if there's not a knot at the end of it, you're going to just keep pulling it on through. Pulling it on through. And you know what I've seen in life? I've seen a lot of folks, a lot of good folks, a lot of our folks, a lot of us that are busy sewing, but the bag still has a hole in it. And we can't figure out why we can't get the bottom, uh, that we can't get that hole patched up. Because there's an essential thing that you've got to do first. Tie knot. There's some things you've got to tie off. You, you've got to tie to. And once you get established there, then you can start making your move. But if you don't have a fixed point of reference 
you're going to wind up somewhere down the road accomplishing something, but it's not going to be what you wanted it to be. I've told you this before, but I'm going to tell you again. Remember one of the first lessons that I learned in building from my brother. I never, I'm not a great builder. He was a great builder, but he was trying to tell me how to cut out rafters. And there's a part of the rafter called a bird's mouth. Brother Cheryl knows what I'm talking about. Maybe some of the other men do. But that's where that, that raptor fits over the outside wall and it rests. And that way you have something to nail to and it gives it a place to stop. Well, when he showed me how to measure out so that you've got the right angle at the top and, and the right uh, markings there at the bird mouth. That's a real trick. That, I mean, that sounds easy, but it's not. And you've got to know how to use your speed square. And so he taught me all of that. And I got my first rafter laid out, and it was perfect. Man, I cut it. He said, all right, now mark them and hand them up to me, and I'll start nailing them together. So I marked them. I handed them up. I marked them. I handed them up. I marked them. I handed them up. About five or six rafters down, James Holland said, hold on just a moment. We got a problem. That bird mouth was getting wider and wider and wider and wider. He said, what's, what, what's, I said, man, I'm doing, I haven't done anything. He said, well, let's go back and tell me what you did. He, I said, well, I marked off my first one and I, I cut it and I used that as a pattern and then I gave you that one. And that was where it started. You have to have a pattern, and that pattern can't ever change because that's the only way to make sure that everything thereafter is going to be as accurate as it can. And every time you mark something off in life and you throw that pattern away and try to, try to remake it, you'll never remake it the way it originally was. That's why we need a fixed point. That's why we've got to have... A reference point. That's why we've got to have a knot somewhere that we tie off in life and say, okay, this is what I am here for. This is what I am called for. This is what my primary reason. I may be doing a lot of other things in my life, but if I don't do this first, nothing that I do will matter in my life. And there are a lot of people that are trying to live life without a fixed point of reference. They're trying to live by the whim of the day and whatever's popular and whatever's easy and whatever's convenient. And they find themselves back in the same dump and the same hole in the same mess, in the same sin, in the same failure, and they can't understand why. Why? It's because you've got to have a fixed reference point to start with. And once you get that, then you can begin to work the rest of it out. Amen. Keep yourself with all diligence. The trouble with much of our lives today is not that we're lazy or that we lack knowledge, or that we lack ability. The trouble with much of our lives today is that we are oh so busy. But with what? With what? We don't have time for this because we are consumed with that. And it's amazing how engaged we become in a stressful world and how important some things can become to us that we lose sight of what really matters. 
I read the tragic story one time, true story of an event that happened in Tennessee years ago, many, many, many years at the turn of the century. There was a mother who was down by the spring washing her clothes. And somehow in the process of getting the clothes down and all of that, she had left a fire burning and something had caught fire, the grease or something in the kitchen and Next thing she knows, she looks up from the spring and her house is on fire. And so she runs back frantically into the house and she grabs a few of her quilts that were keepsakes and she grabbed a feather mattress that they had and she drug them out into the front yard as the house began to be consumed more and more with flames. And it wasn't until a few moments later that she realized that in all of her activity, She had forgotten her baby. And her baby burned there in that house. There's nothing wrong with a feather mattress. There's nothing wrong with a quilt. All of them are important items in anybody's life. But the essential thing was a baby. That's what you get first. That's what you go for first. I'm I'm amazed at how many times in my life the trivial becomes the consuming part of my life. I'm busy with work. I'm busy every day of my life. But am I busy doing the thing that I need to be doing? And am I busy doing the thing that I was called to do? I know that we are busy entertaining ourselves. That is evident by the world that we live in. Everywhere you look, you see it. Advertise and you see it being flaunted. We are extremely busy entertaining ourselves and we are busy amusing ourselves. If you don't believe that, just go stand outside the cinema down here at, at the time when the movies are over and watch the thousands and thousands of people that will come flooding out of there, but they'll never darken a church door. They'll never set foot in the house of God because they're too busy. They've got too many things going on in their life. But I want to ask you, my friend, will it really matter in the end if you got to see the latest movie that was put out? And will it matter in the end if my child made it to the top of the class? Or will it matter in the end if my kid was picked for the team or not if I fail in the things that are essential in my life? Now, I'm not preaching against any of those things. I'm not saying that doing those things or desiring those things are wrong. I'm not saying that you wanting things for your family are wrong. I'm just saying that if we're not careful, we can become so consumed with them that we forget the essential thing. And my question that I had to ask myself this morning and last night is that am I losing anything that God has given me to guard? Have I lost anything that God has put me in charge of? Boy, when I ask myself that question, I shrink very low because I realize that more often than not, I have let time and life and busyness so consume me that I have let things slip away from me. Peace, peace. I can get so busy with life that I let life take the peace out of me. Yeah. I know what I'm talking about. 
you got so much stuff going on in your family. You got this kid going here. You got that kid going there. You got to have this done. You got to be there. You got to be here. You got all, and we're juggling these things in our agenda, trying to make everybody happy. And the next thing we know, we're fighting like cats and dogs. We're mad at each other. We're mad at everybody in the church. We snap at people. What's happened? Peace has slipped out because we're busy. I want to ask you what's more important, things or peace? What's more important? Amen. I've had to preach to myself many times, but probably none more than right now when I tell you that I am not fearful of our lack of ability. What I am fearful of is that I have ability, but I'm not using it to the best of my ability. That I lose things that God has put in my trust. Peace. Losing interest in the Word of God. How long has it been since you took up your Bible and read the Word? We lose the sense of God in our life. We lose that, that, that sense of His nearness. And we can go days and days and days and days without praying or without talking to God. And we don't feel none the worse until we come into a place where the Spirit of God is moving and then we feel, oh, oh, it's been so long. God, help me to not let that slip away from me. Lord, help me to make sure that I put first things first. Seek you first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all of these things shall be added unto you. God, help me to remember this morning that I can find myself busier and busier and busier and busier, but not better. I want to be busy doing the right things. And the right thing is that I would keep my soul with all diligence. The Bible said, keep thy heart with all diligence. There's some things God's not going to do for you. God's not going to be a police officer in your life that stands and blows a whistle every time you mess up. Say, oh, don't do that. He said, I'm going to give you the responsibility. Keep your heart with all diligence. Keep your tongue from evil. Hmm. Wow. You didn't even know that was in the Bible, did you? Oh, <laughs> put that thing back in there. Keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking God. Mm. He said, keep my laws, keep my testimony. Whoso keep, listen to this, he, whoso keepeth the fig tree shall eat the fruit thereof. That means if you're not afraid to work, God will bless you. You know what surprised me the other day? I know there's a street corner, and, I, and please don't misunderstand me. I'm not making fun of anybody. And I am not belittling anybody that's out there. I know there's a lot of legitimate people that are homeless. But I also know there's a lot of charlatans out there. And I can tell you who the charlatans are. I I drove by a street the other day right here in our neighborhood. And I know that every time I come by there, there's a certain number of guys with their signs out there. And they got all these pathetic messages on there. And using every kind of thing you can think, I'm a vet, I'm a this, I'm a that, and all these cute little things. But I noticed when I pulled up to the red light, I looked down at the bottom of the stop sign, and there were about 10 granola bars and 
and, and different kind of healthy bars. Evidently, people had passed out to them, but they weren't interested in that. Now, I'm not making fun, but if you're hungry, and we got a lot of other folks that go through life with these bills. I'm a victim. And the truth is they've been given more than they even know what to do with, and they don't, they, they just discard it. They don't really, they're not really that hungry. They're not really that, 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 that needful. But if you will work, you're going to get to eat the fruit of the labor. But if you're not willing to work, folks, please don't come crying to me. You say, well, brother, I get up every morning. I'm not talking about that. I'm not even mentioning that. Some, I don't know of anybody in our church that didn't work. But I will tell you what. I know some of us won't work on our marriage or we won't work on our family or we won't work on our relationship because we got a chip on our shoulder. You know what? The fig tree, whatever that fig tree is, whether it's your family, your kids, relationships in the church or relationships on your job or making yourselves more involved in the work of God, if you keep that fig tree, you get to eat of that fig tree. Oh, Praise God. Some of you are hurrying me up right now. Come on, I'm almost through. Everybody say, he's almost through. Amen. Some of you are going to make me have a cotton robe and a wooden stick when I get to heaven. Amen. Praise God. He that keepeth his way preserveth his soul. Oh, I love this one. I'm going to close. He that keepeth his mouth keepeth his life. Busy. Everybody say busy. Busy. But am I busy at the things that I need to be busy at? That's what I need to ask myself. And have I let something slip away from me? Is there some peace that's missing from my family because I've been so busy doing all this other stuff that I've let the essential things slip out? Is there any love that's lacking in my life right now? That, am, am I just mean? Am I, do I have an edge on my life? Do I, do I go around and everybody's afraid to talk to me first thing in the morning trying to figure out whether I'm on, I got up on the good side of the bed or the bad side of the bed? Whether I got my coffee or I didn't get my coffee. Whether I got my Dr. Pepper or I didn't get my Dr. Pepper. Somebody got to tiptoe around before they figure out what kind of mood they're in. I need to fix that, folks. People don't need to be tiptoeing around me because I, I, I'm, I'm the boss of the family. You, you better, you, 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 you. <laughs> I'm going to cure you of your stuttering. I'm going to tell you what needs to happen this morning. We need to get back to the essential thing. And the essential thing is I've got to have the love of God in my life. The essential thing is I've got to have the peace of God in my life. The essential thing is I've got to have the hope of God in my life. The essential thing is I've got to have the fruit of the Spirit in my life. The essential thing is I've got to have a foundation upon which my life is built. I've got to have some place that I fix myself to, and that's where I work from. That's my point of reference. Let's stand together. The confessions of a failure. Busy. Here and there.
He wasn't bad. He was just busy. You know what I figured out in life? I figured this much out about the devil. If he can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. Mm. Yes. Busy. I just want you to be honest with me, please. I know this isn't a masterpiece. I don't even... I, I'm, this doesn't even fit in the bottom 20. But I just want to ask you a question. I want you to ask yourself right now. I want you just to close your eyes. Everybody. People on the platform as well. I want you to close your eyes and I want you to ask yourself this question. This question. Is there anything missing from my life this morning that God gave me charge of? That God gave me the responsibility of overseeing? Has my mouth gone off and it's uncontrollable? Or my tongue, is it untamable? Or my attitude, is it somewhere out there on another planet doing its own thing? Are there relationships in my life that are broken today because I've let something slip away? God gave me responsibility of it. God help me today to get back to those things that matter. To get back to my bearings, my, my roots, what's essential. I've got to walk with you. I've got to have a relationship with you. I've got to have my life transformed by your power. God, I, I don't want to come to the end of my life. Oh, God. I don't want to come to the end of my life and find that I've done a lot of things, but not the things that were needful. The rich young ruler had been careful to keep so many things but the one thing that he lacked the one thing that he was missing in his life that he had never been able to capture was his willingness to do whatever you would tell him to do he could keep the thou shalt nots and the thou shalt but he could never teach himself how to say I surrender he can never teach himself how to say, I yield myself to you. If that's what you want of me, Lord, that's what I give. If that's what you desire of me, that's what I will give. Oh, God, today, help this feeble preacher. Somehow let the words penetrate the heart right now. And if there's anything missing in their life, Lord, if they begin to count up the shekels, they count up the coins in their life and they find that one of them is missing. That they would not be satisfied to say they have nine. That's enough. Lord, let me go find that one that's missing. Because I want all that you have for me. I want peace in my family. What's robbed my family of peace, Lord? What's robbed my family of peace? What have I let slip in, Lord, or slip away that's robbed my marriage? 
What have I let slip into my life that's robbed me of my kindness and my love and my tenderness? My busyness, Lord. God, help me to get back to those things that really matter today. Help me to get refocused. Help me to get recentered this morning. Help me to get my mind reconnected to those things that are essential. The things that I've got to have that I can't live without. Oh, God, help me. Hallelujah. God, there are broken relationships here today in people's lives. Not because they're evil people, but because they've been busy and they've let something slip away that's jeopardized their relationship with people in this church, with others, Lord, that are around them. There's no peace because they're disconnected. They've allowed themselves to become disconnected from the body. They've pulled themselves away. They've chosen to do what they're doing, Lord, and they can't understand why they're frustrated. They're frustrated because they have let things get in the way of what is essential. I've got to have a relationship with you, Lord. I've got to have a connection to the body of Christ. I'm not just a body that sits on a bench on Sunday morning, but I've got to be part of the body of Christ. I've got to be involved in the work of the ministry to be happy. I've got to be in work, involved in the work of the church to be happy. I've got to be doing something for you. God, whatever it is that's missing, help me to find it today. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. I'm not trying to belabor the point, church, but I feel such a heavy burden in my heart right now. And I know that I'm not the only one here struggling with busyness right now. I'm not, I'm not the only one dealing with the frustration of letting good things crowd out the best things. But if you're here today and there's something missing and you know it's not there, you, you, you know that it's missing, whether it's peace or joy or happiness or, or, or relationships or whatever it is, if there's something missing and you want to get it back, you want to get back whatever it is, the essential spirit that it takes to have all of those things in your life that need to be there. I wonder if you just slip out of your pew and meet me here at the altar for just a few moments. I'm not going to keep you long, but you'll just lift your hands with me and say, God, help me to get it back. Help me somehow to stop this crazy busyness of my life. Help me to stop this running here and there. All of this helter-skelter living that I'm involved in. The anger and the frustration that come because I'm I'm not fulfilled. I'm not doing what I know to do. Help me to get back to that place where I need to be. Help me to get back to that place, Lord, as the preacher, as a minister, as a pastor, God. Help me to find myself in that prayer closet.